you know, it's Father's Day, and, and uh, uh, with dads, you know, they get presents, and so I, uh, my present is this. We get a, I get a new toy to play with. Uh, we'll see how it works. Uh, the first hour, I was supposed to use my phone and press on some stuff, and uh, it didn't work exactly, and so we'll see how, how it works this second time around. Uh, my first picture that I have here this morning, uh, the, the wide-eyed baby is me, and that's my dad. And we're reading the newspaper together, right? And uh, I'm sure my, my dad's mouth's not open, but I'm sure that he was actually reading it to me. The thing that kind of confused me about the picture is why we both have a coffee mug. <laughs> I guess I started drinking coffee at a really young age. I don't know, but uh, 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 love my dad. Miss him. He's been gone 12 years. But a, a man that had a, a profound influence in my life. Uh, he was a guy who was honest as the day is long. He would not do anything unethical uh, willingly. Uh, he was smart. Uh, I remember that uh, when he was almost 82, he had cancer and was dying of cancer, and they put a radioactive source in him. He was calculating the half-life of the radioactive isotope in his head uh, and, and was, it was telling me how close I could get to him uh, based on that. And I thought on my best day with a calculator, I couldn't do that. And he's figuring it up in his head. Very intelligent man. A man that was a great storyteller. He loved his family. And uh, uh, so uh, uh, loved my dad. One of the things about my dad is, is uh, he worked hard. He was a hard worker. In fact, uh, he was on 24-hour call in those days. Worked in the oil industry. Uh, he was a logging engineer, which meant he went to the oil wells out in the, in, in the you know, farmer's field or wherever it was. And, and he would, they would stick a tool down in the hole. And they were trying to determine... Things about the, uh, the well, whether there was basically oil there, it doesn't just come gushing out of the ground, you got to find it. And that's what fracking is all about. And so he would find the pay zones. And so I saw him many hours with this plastic uh, 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 vellum or whatever they call it uh, that, that, and his India ink pen. And he would be calculating and doing calculations and trying to figure out where the best places for oil was. He worked hard. And because of that, I didn't see him as much growing up. And uh, uh, I loved our vacation times whenever he would be free uh, and I'd get dad all to myself, uh, or at least family, we would get uh, dad all to ourselves for three weeks. He'd take all his vacation in, in one fell swoop. And so, uh, and then this is a picture of uh, Susan and I with my dad. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, kind of interesting look there, isn't it? Um, kind of late 60s, early 70s look. Uh, I'm still wearing the clothes of the 70s, even though we didn't get married till 80. Uh, but uh, so uh, that gets, gives you a little bit of background about me and my dad growing up. Uh, uh, just uh, uh, he wasn't a perfect man. He wasn't even necessarily a very spiritual man. He didn't have that as a part of his uh, uh, DNA until later in life. Because uh, he had no one that discipled him. He never had anyone that uh, took time and mentored him. Uh, not that I, I necessarily, that he sought after it as well. So we're going to look at a passage this morning that talks about honoring dads, honoring fathers. Um, now, you know that the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, right? And when Mother's Day, we talked about honoring our mothers. And so today we're going to talk about honoring fathers. And I was thinking about, you know, this the definition of, of, of honoring and what that means in, in Exodus. And it means to pay high status, to attribute high status to. It means to respect. 
And so God is telling us through Moses that we're supposed to attribute high regard, high respect to those who serve as that role in our lives, as our father. And uh, it says that it may go well with you. Uh, And so there's a promise attached to that. And then the question is, how do we honor we looked uh, on Mother's Day at how we honor our moms. And, and part of the thing that we saw in the book of Proverbs is that we honor our moms simply by living a righteous life, by living a good life in the book of Proverbs. As we live that kind of life, it's honoring to our parents uh, that, we, uh, that we live in that manner. But I was thinking about, in fact, in Mother's Day, we looked at Proverbs 31, uh, 1 to 9, where it says, King Lemuel, and here's the things that his mother taught him. And so there's this whole list in those, in, those, in those nine verses of things that mom taught him. And I, I, love, that, uh, I love that passage. Uh, and, and then you look at the rest of Proverbs and you realize this is something that was written by Solomon, the wisest man in all the earth. He wrote these Proverbs and he spoke to, uh, it says at the very beginning, to, uh, to, uh, uh, in regard to his son, In fact, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are graceful garland about your head. But you think, now wait a minute, Solomon had how many wives? 300. And how many concubines? 700. He had a lot of kids. I don't think this was written for just one son or just sons. I think he was writing to his children. And and this is a book about uh, wisdom in living. This is skill in living. And and, and I love what he has to say here. It's It's a great and powerful book on wise living. In fact, he in the book of Proverbs, it's a series of contrasts. And he contrasts largely the wise and the fool, but he also has contrast between righteousness and unrighteousness and other contrasts. And so it's a series of contrasts in this book. In fact, it reminded me of the, of the saying that I heard years ago. It says there are two kinds of people, those who divide the world into two kinds of people and those who don't. <laughs> and I was thinking, he, Solomon's one of those guys who's dividing people into two kinds of people, right? The wise and the fool. Sometime take time and just write... Uh, get a piece of paper or on a computer and, and put a line down the middle and put wise and fool and then just write each proverb. Go through each proverb and pick out what does a wise person do, what does a fool do. It's a great study. What you'll find is, is there's topics in the book. And I, I always wish that Solomon had kind of consolidated the topics. In fact, if you want the topics consolidated, you can find some of those online. Uh, Dave Wurtzen, and, and, uh, who used to be at Midlothian Bible Church, uh, wrote a book, uh, Raising Worldly Wise But Innocent Kids. And he deals with the book of Proverbs. And he deals with it topically and deals with some of the major themes, finances, uh, 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 sexuality. Uh, I mean, just different topics that that uh, Solomon deals with, communication. And you can take and just take one of those and look through the book of Proverbs and just pick out those verses that deal with that particular topic. I always wish someone had taken, or Solomon at least had taken and divided them up, but I, I think that he wrote them as he thought them. He wrote them as they came to mind, and so that's why they have sense of a, a more a random order, but there are some that are connected. And so uh, early on, the, the, the church, when they were transcribing the scriptures, they weren't going to change the order around because that order uh, had a reason for it, and, and whether we understand it or not. And so we look at the book of Proverbs, and we see this whole list of contrasts. And I began to wonder if... If all of the wisdom that I had given my son over the years had been written in a book, 
Would I even have a page? Would there be some wise sayings that, that would be passed on to the next generation? How many of us could fill as many pages as Solomon filled here with, with his wisdom? And I thought, wow, uh, I have a long way to go. But I, I, I went to look and I, I started thinking back, what are some of the things that my dad taught me? To speak up and stand up for what I believe in. The meaning of respect, both giving and receiving of respect. To work hard for the things that I, I, I want to do. Uh, how to do algebra. He loved mathematics. He always wanted us to do well in that. Self-defense. Uh, I saw a video the other day of, of me and my brother with boxing gloves on. He was showing us how to take care of ourselves. Uh, to appreciate family. To never take anyone or anything for granted. I went online and, and looked and just typed in things dad taught me and see what other people remembered. One, one that stood out to me was you'll meet a jerk every day in your life. Just make sure it's not the person in the mirror. That's really pretty good, huh? says, when you go to a job interview, always be polite to the receptionist. Because you know she actually runs the place, right? And, and also, there are many jobs, places now, that they are intentionally making you wait in the, in the lobby, in the waiting area, because they want to see how you treat other people. And they'll even send people in there just to see how you're going to treat them. Uh, and so part of the job interview is right there. Uh, respect powerful and dangerous things, but don't fear them. Uh, everything in moderation, including moderation, which I thought, hmm, that's kind of an interesting one. Uh, life is short. Don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, keep your word. Your word is your bond. And I just think about how many sayings there are out there. And many of those that I looked online, I thought, I've heard some of those as well from my own father. But here's something that I thought about when I was reading this, because Here's what he says. In fact, look with me at Proverbs 13.1. This is the passage that we're going to be looking at together. It's just one verse. And yet there's profound things in there. I think sometimes we read a whole lot, but we, we need to slow down in our reading. I think we, need, we sometimes read too much and reflect far too little on what we read. And, and so when, I want to take some time just to mull over what this one verse says. Proverbs 13.1. A wise son hears his father's instruction but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Here's another contrast, right? Wise and scoffer. In fact, the word scoffer there is one of the strongest words in Proverbs for the fool. So you have the wise and the fool. Here's the, here's the way that they respond. And it says a wise son listens to his father's instruction. And so you, you think about that, and I was thinking, here's what I was thinking. Not every father is a good father. So how can Solomon say this? In fact, I heard Shane and Shane on a, on a deal called Daily Devo. If you haven't downloaded that, I would encourage you to download this, this app. It's called Daily Devo. And it, uh, it's Shane and Shane. They, do some, they play a song. And then they have a, a, a devotional based on that song and also based on the scriptures. Really a, a powerful uh, uh, a little app there. Uh, I've enjoyed it immensely. Uh, and I think it was yesterday that they, they were talking about for some... He made, made this comment. He said, for some, the word father is like a curse word. For some of you, father may be more like a curse word than, than anything else. 
because you had an abusive father or you had an absent father or you had uh, every father's imperfect so we've all messed up if we're a dad here in the room we've all messed up and 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 we admit it because we're not perfect there's only one perfect and good father and that's our heavenly father he's the good good father and the reason that this is powerful to me is because my mom was raised without a dad she was raised in a single parent home she was born in 1929 you know what happened in 1929 the great depression my uh my grandfather on her side her dad uh, was a wealthy man. He had his own hotel. He had a, a cab com- company. He had a, a restaurant. He had a number of different business interests. He was very well off. They were in a beautiful home. And then he and my grandmother divorced. And my grandmother moved to the panhandle of Texas away from West Virginia. Away from high society, she went down to low society. She was very poor. She had nothing. They lived in a two-room house, not two-bedroom, but two rooms, with no running water, no indoor plumbing, had an outhouse in the backyard. Raised by a single mom who was working as hard as she could, they, my mom had three sets of clothes, and one was only to be worn on Sunday. And you think about living and growing up in that way, and I think, I wondered, that was the one question that I wish I had asked my mom, was about Father's Day. And I realized why she so loved my dad's dad, why his relationship to her was so meaningful and so powerful to her because she didn't grow up with a dad. And in fact, I still remember when she was 86, and she was, uh, uh, that's the year that she died, With dementia, one of the things that she still remembered and said is, I always wish I had had a dad. We long for that deep in our our being, deep in our inner self. We long for this relationship with dad. And for some of us, that didn't happen on this earth. But God, in his glory and in his grace and in his goodness, one of the great things he's done is he's a father to the fatherless. He's someone who who loves us with a deep love. He is, as the song goes, a good, good father. He's the father we always have longed for. He's the perfect father, the one that, that loves us with a profound love. And when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we become part of his family. At that moment, we're born again. At that moment, we become his children, as John 1.12 says. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And so at that moment, we become his children. And he becomes our good, good, perfect, loving, heavenly Father who's all-wise, who's all-knowing, who cares whom we can rely on, who's there with us in the dark times, as Psalm 23 says, in the valley of the shadow, he's there. And it was one of the reasons why I played that song at my mom's funeral. Good, good father. She had a good, good father, even though not an earthly one. And so when I look at that and I, and I, and I think about this, I think, Solomon, why did you write this? Because you know not everyone had a good, good father. Not everyone even had anybody there to to give them wise instruction. Why have you given this instruction? Because generally this is true. Generally this is the way it should be. This is the way it should be in an ideal world is that fathers give wise advice to their children. But in the case and in the event that that doesn't happen in this life, 
We have a heavenly father who does give good wisdom and good insight and good advice. And so what is he saying and who is he speaking to? He's speaking to me. He's speaking to the wise son. He's not speaking to the father here. He's speaking to the wise son to be teachable. That I always be a learner, even from those who may not give me all the advice that I need. My father, my own earthly father, was not a very spiritual man. He was someone who was smart. He was somebody who worked hard. He's someone who loved his family. And he had a spiritual aspect to him, but he wasn't very taught in the scriptures. And when I first came to Christ as my Savior, I went and shared Christ with my whole family. Because I thought they must not know. Because how, did they not, how would they not know about this free gift of salvation? I wanted everyone to know in my family. I didn't want them to miss out. And I, and I, and I knew that that would be one side of my dad that I wouldn't get always good counsel on. It's on the spiritual side of things. And so I had to rely on other people around me. And so when, you, when it comes to this, you realize my father is not perfect. He was not perfect. None of our fathers are perfect. They all have gaps. They all have baggage. They all have struggles. They're just men trying to get through life in some cases. They're just men who are trying to be spiritual and walk with the Lord in some cases. And so a wise son is teachable, but has a discerning spirit about him. Someone that, that is discerning about what he takes in. It doesn't mean that I just hear my father's advice and I just accept it without thinking. Uh, in fact, that would never be me. <laughs> Unfortunately, I say that because when I was growing up, I was the rebellious one. I was the one that gave my parents gray hair. I was the one that, that was the stubborn as a day is long and I could be disciplined and I would just go right back to whatever it is I was doing. I just figured that was part of what I, the price I had to pay, right? To do whatever I wanted to do. And, I, and my Proverbs talks about that kind of person. It says, strike a fool and the wise will be instructed. I remember my little brother telling me one day, he says, Greg, we were instructed a lot by watching what happened to you. <laughs> Thanks a lot, right? I was that kid, you know? And, and so... When you, when you look at that and you realize that was the, that was the person I was, and I wasn't, this, I wasn't this person here. I wasn't the wise son hearing his father's instruction. I was the one fighting against my father. I was the one that was going up against him. It was, it was like two bucks, the young buck going against the old buck, and I wasn't about to try to lose. And I remember one of the most meaningful things that my dad said to me. Here I am, fighting against him. Not applying what I knew was true in scripture and here's my dad and he had his, his strong opinions about life and 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 I remember one day we kind of were at odds and and uh it was silent in the car on the way to where we were going and and he was on the in the front seat and I was in the seat behind him and and trying not to kick the seat you know even though that's what I felt like doing but I you know I sat back behind him and I was frustrated and I was silent and I was struggling internally and we get out of the car, and he made one simple statement. He said, just looked at me and said, Greg, don't let your old man push you around. And that meant the world to me to hear him say that on so many levels. It showed respect to me to have my own opinion. It showed that he understood kind of what I was struggling with. 
He was giving permission for me not to just be a clone of him, but to be someone who thought for myself. And, and, and I found myself wanting to listen to him more after that statement, after he told me that, and realized that he understood more about me than I even realized. And so I look at this proverb, and it's written to those who need to be instructed. It's written to those who need to be teachable. And I realized it was saying more for me, more about what I needed than anybody else. And so when I read this, a wise son hears, that word hears is a key word. We listen. A wise person listens. Listening is a lost art. We don't know how to listen well. We don't know how to listen well to our, our, our fathers. We don't know how to listen well to our God. I mean, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, who has ears? All of us. So hear, listen. I mean, that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen to me. Listen to God. And I was thinking, one of the places that we need to start is learning to listen to our Heavenly Father. And there were some verses that came to mind in that regard. One of those verses is found in Acts 17. And in Acts 17, it says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They were examining the Scriptures daily. They were trying to understand. And so my, my first step in, in us being more teachable is search the scriptures. I mean, hear something like uh, somebody like me or, or a podcast or whatever, teaching on the scriptures, and then go back and look it up. Don't just take my word for it. Look at the passage yourself. Hopefully I raise a few questions that you, you can use in, for further study, but search the Bible daily. Be teachable by our God. Because he has given you his love letter. He has given you the wisdom of God. And I think, how can we live our lives without the wisdom of God as, a, as an informative aspect of our life? A second thing is, and we find in Proverbs 23, it says, apply your heart to instruction. Apply your heart to instruction. Notice it doesn't say apply your mind to instruction. It doesn't say apply, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's talking about this idea that it's becoming part of us, part of our being, part of our very bowels, that it's, it's, that it's all, it's, it's, it's in the, and part of the essence of us is understanding and, under, and listening. Somebody said that the longest distance in the world is this one right here between my head and my heart. Longest distance in the world. This 12 inches is longer than anything else because I can become more intellectual as a believer. I can become more religious. I can learn all sorts of stuff. I can memorize Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed and, and Scripture, and, and yet it never make its way to my heart and my life to where I embrace it and where I become more godly. It's one of the reasons why we are hypocritical in our lives. In Psalm 86, it tells us a third thing, and that is to ask God to pray about wisdom, pray about instruction. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name so that we understand who God is, so that we understand him and his wisdom. We need to understand by asking him to give us insight. And then in Proverbs 24, it tells us a fourth thing, 
And that fourth thing is to ask people for advice. Proverbs 24 says, For by wise guidance you can wage war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. We need to ask people what they think. We need to talk to them and find out what do they think. But we've got to learn to be a better listener when we ask those questions. Because we assume we know what another person is thinking and what we're really doing is projecting our own opinion on them. That happens too far too often. This week I, I, I was working on a, a, a series for September and, and, I, and I asked somebody that's an expert in the field that I'm, that I'm working on that has more training than I do uh, to give me their insights. And I said, here's where I'm planning to go with this series. What do you think? And, and they gave me some incredible insights and, and great uh, help as to what things to, uh, to include and what things maybe to, to, to think about not including and maybe leave for personal discussion. And, and it was really good, very insightful. I took about four pages of notes because I wanted to understand. And I think sometimes taking notes causes us to stop trying to speak and causes us to listen better. And maybe taking notes is something you need to add to whatever it is when you listen to someone to just jot down a few things. I was looking online to try to figure out how can I learn to listen better because it says a wise son hears. So what do I do in this idea of hearing? What, do, what is my approach? And, and, and there were four steps, four ideas that, that the person gave in terms of, of what to do to listen better. One of those things is simply slow down. Slow down. We are far too quick to try to identify with the other person. And because we're so quick to try to identify with the other person, we're thinking about how we can have a reciprocal sharing. They told us a story. We want to tell them a story of our own life and say, here's a story so you can see that I'm relating to you. And what I've heard from people when I do that, it kind of hurts my feelings, but they're right, is I don't want to hear your story. I don't have the energy to even handle your story. I want you to just listen to my story and understand it. And so because we're so quick to try to want to understand and identify, we don't listen very well. And we jump to conclusions. In fact, sometimes we cut them off because we think we know the end of the sentence. And we shouldn't do that. Because we cut them off so that we can make a statement and we should wait to let him finish, and then ask a follow-up question. And in fact, that's the next stage, is that we learn to ask great questions. If we're going to be a good listener, we've got to ask great questions. We think about the great communicators of our day, and they're the ones that we think about that are verbal. But the great communicators of our day may be those who sit around and listen well. And engage us with great questions. I know that sometimes a person that asks me great questions gives me more insight into myself than someone who just makes statements toward me. Because they make me think about what I'm really saying. And so I think that we've got to learn how to ask great questions. And what that means is open-ended questions. Not closed-ended questions. Closed-ended questions are questions that you expect a certain answer. And in fact, some people use questions to manipulate and you may have been in those settings before where someone asks you a question and says, well, you hold to this, right? Right. And, you, and it means this, right? Right. And then this, right? You hold this, right? Right. So therefore, you believe this. No, I don't believe that. How did you get there? And they're wanting you to verbalize what they believe that you believe, and it's not what you believe. 
They're not trying to understand. They're trying to manipulate. And, and I, I stop people now when, when, they, when they start going down that path. Go, wait a minute. I don't play that game. Just tell me what you're thinking. What are you thinking that I think? Don't tell me what I'm thinking. Don't try to get me to verbalize what you have manipulated me into saying like a puppet. And so we find ourselves doing that. We need to ask great questions. Questions such as, as, uh, 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 as this. Um, what do you mean by that? Or can you repeat that? Or tell me more. Help me to understand it. It seems like you're saying this. Is this what you're saying or is it, is it that? In fact, uh, I've got a couple of lists of questions here. Tell me more. What happened next? How do you feel about that? How did you feel when that happened in your life? Uh, some of the other questions or statements. Repeat back what you've heard. Is this what you're saying? Are you saying this? Oh, no, I'm saying that. Oh, okay. I, somehow I missed that. I think uh, what I understand is this. Is that true? Uh, and, and what you find is, is by your attempt to ask questions, you're helping them further clarify because the reality is sometimes we are thinking one thing and we can't seem to put it into words. And somebody asking us great questions can help us with that process so that we even understand ourselves better. And what you'll find is the person that asks you questions that are good, engaging questions, you'll feel closer to that person than the one who's making statements towards you. And what that means is we need to reprogram ourselves. We need to think about uh, uh, what it is that, uh, if I can find this next slide here, uh, reprogram our habitual responses. What we normally think that we used to do in life and how we responded in relationships, we need to stop that. And you think, well, I've always done it that way. Well, you've always done it wrong. You've always been the fool. You want to be wise? That means you need to change. That means we need to change to becoming good listeners and, and not just jump. And what, that, what, that, what we find that we do is we go into relationships with a goal in mind. We go into these conversations with a goal in mind. We have this goal of what we want to accomplish. And what this goal is, is I want to fix you. Right? And you want to fix me. Have you ever been in that kind of conversation where the person's trying to fix you and you don't want to be fixed? You don't want somebody to fix you. You want them to just listen to you and understand what you're going through. And so you've got to start and, and ask yourself the question, what is my goal here? Is it to let the other person vent and I'm just here? Is it to fix the person? Is it to help them to think through the process? Is it simply to help them to feel like that they've been heard? And we've got to think about what is my typical response and how do I need to change that response because that typical response may be the fool's response. And then what that means is that I'm intentional, that I'm very intentional about what I do. And, and it means that, that I put this down. I'm not responding to a text when I'm talking to my spouse. That means I'm not scrolling through my Facebook feed thinking I can multitask. That I put this thing down and I give my focused attention to who I'm talking to. When I'm in a conversation at, at, at a, uh, uh, either in my office or sometimes at lunch, I find there's those people who are constantly doing that. You, you see, see that happening and, and you feel frustrated with that. You feel like you can't carry on a conversation. And you almost want to quit. You almost want to walk away at times because you think, well, you just put it down. Can you put it down for an hour and just talk to me and just focus? And we think that we can, we're good at multitasking. And the survey that I, I, I mentioned a, a week or two ago or a few weeks ago was, was that we're not good at multitasking. Research shows we're terrible at it. 
And that if we think that we, we can multitask well, we can't. We, we perform poorly on every aspect. And so we're very intentional about listening, which means we put this down. It means that we ask great questions. It means that we reprogram our habitual responses, that we're intentional about what our goal and purpose is, and we just slow down. I don't need to sound intelligent by my response and give a wise response. I just need to ask great questions. And I think sometimes we're so afraid that we're going to sound stupid or we're going to, we're going to lose the point that we are afraid to speak and ask the questions rather than make the statements. So here's the first thing he says. A wise son hears his father's instruction. Second part is a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. That means that we don't listen. It says it doesn't listen when? When we mess up. When I need a rebuke is when I mess up. And so we're afraid that when we fail, those are the times that we want to listen the least, when we probably need to listen the most. Because I don't want to have somebody tell me, I told you so. I don't want to hear somebody say, well, here's how you could have done it better. Well, okay, hero, won't you do it yourself? I mean, that's what you feel like inside. But the reality is, I'm going to fail a lot in this life. But am I going to fail forward or backwards? I fail forward when I listen. I fail backwards when I don't. Because I don't have all knowledge. I need somebody's input whenever I've messed up. And there's some things I know I could have done different. But there's some things I don't know that they can instruct me on, that they can help me with. And so I realize that in this life, I need that. I need a person's rebuke, a gentle rebuke, hopefully, and in fact, in 1 Timothy 5, we see that. It says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him, him, encourage him as you would a father. Wow. He uses that idea of fathers that you would come alongside. In fact, that's the idea, the word encouragement that's used there. Come alongside them instead of just hitting them in the mouth. And I think, wow, when I was looking at that, I, I thought, you know, there's one application from this, from this passage that these other ones have helped inform. And that is the way that I show honor to my father is to listen respectfully. Doesn't mean I agree with everything. Doesn't mean that I, that I take in and embrace everything that he says. But I listen, and I ask great questions, and I engage him, and I understand them. And that's with your father, with your father-in-law. It's with, with uh, and in fact, it's interesting. It was talking about older people here. Don't rebuke an older man, but encourage him. And I was thinking of Proverbs 23, 22. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Our tendency is when they get older, we think that they're out of touch, that they don't understand, that they don't know some things about life. And the reality is that they've experienced a lot of life. And we need to ask great questions. We need to listen and understand. And when we do, we grow in our understanding and our wisdom about who God is and how life works. And we truly gain what the purpose of Proverbs is, skill in living. That's what wisdom means. It means skill in living. That we have a skill in living life because we become wise because we've listened. And we've listened well. We're very intentional about listening. We ask and learn to ask great questions. 
And as we do without trying to just interject our own thoughts or trying to understand too quickly, when we really don't understand what another person is thinking, you'll be amazed when you ask a question to find out there's some things that they have that we were not expecting. In Proverbs 1, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. The pendants for the neck were these, this jewelry, these gold chains that, that would be worn. And we see that in, uh, when Pharaoh put a gold chain around Pharaoh's neck. We see it with Daniel when Belshazzar put a gold chain around his neck. It's a sign of honor. It's a sign of blessing. And Solomon's saying, just like those are honor and blessing, so when you listen and you learn to listen well, it's like the gold chain of honor being put about your neck. And you will be the one who is blessed. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your wisdom. And Father, I pray that you would help us to learn to listen well. Help us to learn to listen well to your wisdom first and foremost. Help us to be those who talk to you and ask you for wisdom. Just like Solomon asked you for wisdom when he could have asked for anything, he asked you for wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would guide us and lead us in our understanding. Help us to be those who learn to listen well, because I know that's going to impact every relationship that we have, whether it's work, whether it's father-son, whether it's mother-daughter, whether father-daughter... Mother, son, I know it impacts husband and wife relationships to learn to listen well. Help us to learn to become better listeners. And I pray that you would bring blessing into our lives as a result. Father, we come to you and we ask for that. Lord, we also come to you today and we ask for uh, Greg Lingle as he travels to Tanzania. Father, uh, he has this opportunity to do ministry there among those who are pastors, those who are uh, 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 unbelievers, Father, some translators that may not know you, people in the community. Father, I pray that they would see people come to Christ. I pray that they would make a difference among some of the pastors and help them, engage them, encourage them. Lord, I pray that you would help Greg Lingle have safety as he travels, not only to Tanzania, but... Uh, as he goes to the different villages, Lord, I pray that you would bless and that you would do a great work, that you would do great things through him. Father, we love you. We worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.